Hi there, it's me, Malika Bilal. I'm handing over the mic today to my colleague, Kevin Hurden. Enjoy, and I'll be back. This election is taking place whilst there is a war happening in the heart of Europe. Last month, Al Jazeera's Paris correspondent Natasha Butler was in Ukraine, reporting on the spiraling refugee crisis. But now she's back in France, where I caught up with her to talk about the stakes of the country's upcoming vote. France's 12 candidates for the 2022 presidential election are entering the home stretch. Marine Le Pen au pouvoir, la porosité entre le Rassemblement national et les Républicains, de la détestation d'Emmanuel Macron. The war in Ukraine gave Macron a strong edge earlier on. But his credentials as a leader in a time of crisis are being overshadowed by people's main concern today, the cost of living. This vote, taking place in the shadow of war in Europe, is shaping up to be a contest between institutionalists and populists. The energy is on the fringes, but with the EU suddenly united against Russia, the question going into election day is, will what's left of the center be able to hold? I'm Kevin Hurton, in for Maliki Bilal, and this is The Take. So, Natasha, you are in Paris right now. Can you feel the energy on the streets? Are people fired up about this election? Oh, well, look, the election campaign posters are up. If you listen to the radio, the television, you read the newspapers, obviously, it's all about the election. But I can't say that it's something that you feel in the street. I can't say that people are particularly excited about this election. I think there's there are a few reasons for that. I think people are just coming out of this COVID pandemic. There's a war in Ukraine, in the, you know, in Europe. And people feel quite tired, quite distracted. And they're also a bit fed up of politics and politicians. So it's not a massive buzz around this election. Once people start voting, you know, that's where people start to kind of get a bit more engaged, a bit more excited. So the, the French election has an interesting format. It's, it's kind of like a tournament. You have the first round, which has a bunch of candidates from many different parties. And then if no candidate gets more than 50% of the vote, the top two vote getters in the first round go on to the second round, which will decide who wins the presidency. So why don't we start with the first round, which happens April 10th. 12 candidates, which is a lot, but there are really only a handful that have any real chance of winning. I was thinking we could just go through them one by one. So why don't we start with Emmanuel Macron, the incumbent? How is he feeling going into this election? Sure, you've got Emmanuel Macron. He's the president at the moment. You know, back in 2017, he swept to power at just 39 years old, the youngest president France has ever seen. He was this young, ambitious person who created his own centrist political party. People hadn't really heard of him before. And when he did become president, there was a real sense of renewal, a sense of hope that he was a centrist. He was neither on the left or on the right. Natasha says that sense of hope has diminished over the past five years. And one of the earliest and biggest indicators was the Yellow Vest protests. The heart of Paris has become a battleground. This weekend, police have mobilized 90,000 officers across the country. If you don't remember, those protests were sparked by a fuel tax, but they turned into an all-out revolt against France's government. 
The wealth gap is getting wider, and we've reached a point where there are the very rich and the very poor, and more and more people are slipping into poverty. Those demonstrations became one of the signature moments of Macron's five years in power. They also led to him getting that nickname, President of the Rich. The left in France, they feel quite let down by him. They feel that he has favored the rich over the poor. They feel that he has moved more towards the right. He talks more about things like immigration, law and order. So I think he's really struggled to capture a wider imagination. And in the end, five years on, most people just see him as a politician like any other. If you're looking at opinion polls, though, you'll see Macron is still in a pretty comfortable lead. Natasha told me, in general, people approve of how he's dealt with some of the major upheaval through his presidency, from the COVID pandemic to the war in Ukraine. And we'll get to that in a bit. Going into this election, he's in a far stronger position than he would have been if there was been an election a few years ago. Right. It's kind of a good time to be an even-handed institutionalist who can just get things done or at least be perceived like that. Yeah, totally. So you did mention that he has moved to the right. I think that's clearly showing that there's been a rightward drift in French politics, which brings us to his challenger in 2017 and could be his challenger this year, Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen is the leader of France's far-right party. She is known for her agenda, which is anti-immigration, anti-Islam. It's about law and order. It is very, very specific. Islamic fundamentalism must be destroyed. France must ban Islamist organizations, close radical mosques, and deport foreigners who bring hatred on our soil and illegal immigrants who have nothing to do here. But this time around, what she's really been doing is campaigning on the key issue for voters in France, and that is the cost of living. Mm. So Marine Le Pen's been traveling around the country. She's been campaigning for months now, talking about the cost of living, telling people she's going to create jobs, telling them that she's going to give them better salaries, that she's going to bring prices down. Not only is she talking about the number one issue in this campaign, she's also managed to deflect the spotlight from her anti-immigration, anti-Islam agenda that puts off quite a few voters. And one of the reasons she's been able to deflect like that is because of the next candidate that we'll talk about, Eric Zemmour. He's even more right-wing than Marine Le Pen. He's been able to sort of soak up all of the outrage and make Marine Le Pen seem more economically populist by comparison. Do I have that right? Yeah, totally. You know, so what you have is Eric Zemmour arriving on the French presidential scene, if you like, in 2021. It is no longer the time to reform France, but to save it. This is why I have decided to run for president. I have therefore decided to seek your vote to become your president of the Republic. And he was a complete surprise. He's well-known in France already. He's a former television pundit. He's well-known for his far-right, very outspoken, very extreme views. He's the sort of person who says, look, if I become president, I'm going to ban non-French names. In the past, he's talked about wanting to deport Muslims. He's also got a number of convictions for racial hatred. Eric Zemmour was fined more than 11,000 US dollars on Monday for inciting racial hatred. It's over remarks in which he called young migrants killers, thieves and rapists. 
He is well known for all of those things in France, but obviously few people thought that he wanted to be president. There were a lot of eyes on Zamor when he announced his candidacy back in 2021. That included critics from across the political spectrum, all worried about Zamor's rhetoric. It also included people like Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen and Eric Zamor obviously dislike each other uh, intensely. I imagine Marine Le Pen probably dislikes Eric Zamor uh, much more than he has an opinion on her, mainly because he arrived seemingly out of nowhere and seemed to be stealing her show. Marine Le Pen has tried to differentiate herself from Zamor, going as far as to say that there are people around him who are Nazis. And at times, things have gotten personal. Marine Le Pen had her niece, Marion Maréchal Le Pen, who is herself a far-right politician, very well-known in France. She has always supported Marine Le Pen, but she jumped ship recently to support Eric Zemmour. Well, that was an absolute slap in the face for Marine Le Pen. Her niece now supporting her arch-rival Eric Zemmour. I mean, that caused a huge scandal in France. But getting a Le Pen family vote hasn't been enough to boost his campaign, which has dipped over the past few months. And while Zamor's popularity has gone down, another candidate has been gaining some ground, pitching himself as an alternative to the far right and the center. I'm not confusing Mr. Macron and Ms. Le Pen. That's not what I'm saying. But I also know that there is a difference. Mr. Macron is the economic program of Ms. Le Pen plus class contempt. Ms. Le Pen is Mr. Macron's economic program plus racial contempt. Jean-Luc Mélenchon is the leader of the far left, and he is a veteran politician in France. And in many ways, in the last election, that played against him because people kind of thought, wow, Mélenchon's still around, we need someone new. But in this election, he looks like a kind of trusted pair of old hands to voters on the left who really don't have anywhere else to go. So he's kind of hoovering up all of those left-wing votes. But again, is it going to be enough to push him past the first round? We'll have to see. Mélenchon has talked about that himself. He's run for president before, and he's called himself... A wise electoral turtle. He's hoping that slow and steady will help him win the race, or at least get him far enough to make the April 24th runoff. He also has some good slogans, like, vote for me and retire at 60. And that's something that certainly appeals to the French, because the retirement age is one of those issues that really inflames passions in France. You know, Emmanuel Macron wants to raise the retirement age to uh, 65. That's hugely controversial. Jean-Luc Mélenchon has talked about keeping the retirement age at 60. He says things like, 60, you should be enjoying your life. You should be out there gazing at the stars and having a lovely time. You know, you shouldn't be made to work for another five years. It all plays into that sort of French sentiment, the love of kind of having a good life and appreciating a good lifestyle. You might have noticed by now that the spectrum of candidates, or at least candidates who have a potential shot at making the runoff, skews one way, to the right. 
I was talking with a few friends recently about what on earth has happened to the left wing in France because they have literally disappeared uh, off the radar. And that's really, really surprising if you think that it's not that long ago that Francois Hollande was the socialist president of France. The socialist parties has always been one of the most important political parties in France, but it now pretty much does not exist because people have really moved to the right, whether it's traditional right wing or far right. And that is why we've seen Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour do so well. So you said this election's been pretty low-key. Uh, in sort of the big picture, what are the issues that are getting voters the most animated and are they going to be breaking through ahead of April 10th? I was at a, a food market in northern France recently and I was speaking to the people shopping there for their vegetables, for their fish, for their bread. And every single person said to me, I'm worried about the cost of living. Universally, every person told us it's the cost of living that is really going to be on their mind when they go to vote. They want a candidate who's going to basically put more money in their pocket at the end of the month because they are worried about how they're going to make ends meet. And they're also worried about what it's going to mean in the future if prices still go up. You know, how are they going to put fuel in their car and that kind of thing? So it's interesting in this election that really has become the key issue. But war is also on the minds of French voters, and not only because of the economy. I'd say the impact of the war in Ukraine is twofold. On one hand, it's had a positive effect, if you want to put it in those terms, on Emmanuel Macron, in that he has looked very presidential through his diplomatic efforts, talking to Russia, talking to Ukraine, various international leaders. He's looked very engaged. French President Macron's marathon diplomacy, meeting for five hours with President Putin. The war in Ukraine certainly had a more unusual impact on some of the other candidates. For example, uh, Eric Zemmour, he has always been an ardent admirer of Russia and of Vladimir Putin. When Zemmour was asked for an example of a leader who defended their country's history, he said... So, of course, the media have been replaying all these old clips, and that has damaged his standing. Marine Le Pen, in the past... Some of her presidential campaigns have been funded by uh, a Russian bank. During past campaigns, Le Pen looked towards Russian banks for financing when her campaign ran into money troubles. Those Russia links have certainly uh, not helped. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, another ardent admirer of Russia, certainly been trying to downplay his admiration for Moscow in recent weeks. So it, it's quite interesting. On most of the candidates, uh, the war has meant that they've had to try and move the spotlight onto other issues, which make them feel a lot more comfortable. But there's no doubt that you might say the big winner, if you want to put it in those terms, has been Emmanuel Macron, who has certainly benefiting from that so-called rally around the, the flag effect where people are getting behind their leader in a time of crisis. Wow. It's so interesting. It, it seems like when you take away the political spectrum, this really becomes a contest between populism and institutionalism. Macron is, is just so obviously the institutionalist candidate. I think the war and the pandemic came along at a time where it emphasized the, the need for that kind of institutional support. But it sounds like the real issue, if you take the war away, is the economic desperation of, of the French people. So I guess if we get to a runoff election, will the war in Ukraine still be as relevant? I think what's interesting is that when the war broke out, Emmanuel Macron was 
very hands-on when it came to diplomacy, and he still is. He's not travelled away from Paris very much because he says he has to be near the Elysee to take telephone calls, to make those calls to Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, or Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, or Joe Biden in the US. Macron really presenting himself as almost a wartime leader. Macron's even debuted a change in image. Some photos released of the French president since the war began show him donning a hoodie instead of his usual suits and opting against a shave. It's gotten some laughs internationally by pundits who suggest he's co-opting Zelensky's battlefield look. But Natasha says his domestic audience likes the diplomacy they're seeing from Macron. That has played out well in France. People appreciate that. They, uh, in a time of crisis, will look for stability. And that's definitely going to have an impact on the polls. People don't necessarily feel that this is the time for a big change. So the question is, will that hold come a second round? Or will Macron, who's gotten that reputation of catering to the rich, be challenged by a populist focused on economic concerns? whether that's from the left or the right. It's very hard to tell. At the moment, the polls do suggest that people would rally around uh, Emmanuel Macron, that they'd look for continuity and stability rather than take a risk of change. Yeah, and I think that probably might testify to the low interest in this election. I mean, it's, it's a rerun. I mean, all of these candidates that we've mentioned have been around for a long time, so it doesn't seem all that exciting. No, I mean, ironically, Macron hasn't been around for so long, but people sort of feel that he has because although he seemed very fresh and new back in 2017, uh, people sort of see him now as a pretty much acting like any other politician that they've known for decades. Some of the polls have said that what people didn't want to see this time around was a rerun of 2017. They didn't want another uh, Marine Le Pen, Emmanuel Macron face to face, but it does look as if that's what they're going to get again. And yeah, and I think that is part of the reason that people are looking at this election and going, well, it's the same old faces. And that's probably why they're switching off a bit. And that's the take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai with Ney Alvarez, Ruby Zaman, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Kevin Hurton, in for Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Almilek and Munara Altasari are The Take's engagement producers. And Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. We'll be back.